Howdy ho, trainerinos. It's me, Brian Geyser. Episode time. Wanna watch the very best? Gotta watch them all was taken. Episode time. So first off, I apologize for those of you that keep up with this thing on schedule that it is a bit late. I'm sorry. Thing Things got busy this week, and um, one of these episodes took way longer to trim down than it should have. Yay! Depending on how much I'm able to get done, this may be a three-episode episode or the standard four-episode. It, it really depends on how much I'm able to push through. So even as I'm recording this, I don't know because I'm that far behind. I'm recording this on Friday at 5 a.m., and um, ideally this will be out by Sunday at the latest. Hopefully Saturday, ideally. But we'll see! We'll find out together! <laughs> Yay! In other news, there will also not be an episode next week because I'm going to New York City with some friends for that weekend and um, just just won't be able to have time to edit anything between work and job hunting, wink, and other stuff because um, life, life comes at you fast, kid, and you gotta roll with the punches. So anyway, yeah, no episode next week. Sorry. I legitimately don't have much more to say. Not much has happened to me recently. I've just been chipping away at Xenoblade 3. Some of the side stories have uh, pretty good stories considering their side quests, so I recommend doing them if you ever play the game. They're, they're pretty good, the hero quests especially. And because I'm completely out of things to say, let's let's just do the episode right now. Go! Woo! <laughs> Episode 101, get along, little Pokemon. Synopsis. On the way to his next Orange League gym battle, Ash and his friends come across a Magnemite rancher and agree to help him reach a city in need of power. Still heading towards the Trovita gym, the group walks through a massive rocky desert located on Mandarin Island. Everyone whines when Tracy informs the group that it's going to be a three-day journey through the heat. Man, this episode is such an environmental shift from the rest of the Orange Archipelago's tropical scenery, and Tracy's inclusion can be so forgettable sometimes. It's easy to think some people may remember this episode as an Indigo League or even Johto episode and not Orange Islands. In fact, part of me thinks this is actually just an unused Indigo League idea that they decided to repurpose for the Orange Islands. The two young trainers beg to know if there's somewhere closer they can rest at least, but continue to complain when they learn the nearest town is about a day away. While realizing they're just not used to walking after riding Lapras so often, a storm quickly rolls in, and the group runs for some kind of cover out of the rain and lightning. They then see an overhanging rock and hide under it for protection. While trying to stay low from the lightning, they hear it impact something else. Looking up, they're stunned to see a massive gathering of Magnemite, all absorbing the electricity in the sky. They then hear a Jolteon bark at and run up behind them. Jolteon sounds funny. Ash, that's a Jolteon! Seeming to follow the Jolteon's cries, a cowboy-looking guy in a tented caravan wagon pulled by Tauros rides up to the group, yelling at them to hop in, pilgrims. Our heroes do so just as the Magnemite moved to join the wagon as well, protecting it from and absorbing more lightning. 
When the storm finally clears, the group learns that the cowman, Ethan, runs a Magnemite ranch. He brings them to this open area and has them absorb electricity, which he then brings to places in need of some extra power. Blowing a whistle, the Magnemite line up as Ethan takes electrical readings from them, content with the amount received. He also reveals that he can tell the Magnemite apart, but calls them by numbers since he has trouble remembering names. He then tries to call back over a dopier-looking Magnemite, number six, but it doesn't listen. Calling it his Black Sheep, which I'll interpret as Black Wooloo, Ethan then has Jolteon use some static to lure it back. While discussing how Ethan doesn't keep his herd in Pokeballs, a bunch of the Magnemite begin to disorient and then swarm around Pikachu, who begins to panic as he's coated in them. Ash tries to rescue his partner, but the Magnemite all turn to face him and electrocute the boy before flying off. You alright? Yeah, I'm just dandy. Electricity doesn't bother me. Say, you're a tough little hombre, aren't you? Just like me. The group then boards the wagon again, and hearing that the trio wants to rest at the next town, Ethan happily says, well, I was heading that way anyhow, and is more than willing to give him a lift. Ash also attempts to steer the Tauros, but throws them into a panic mere seconds after getting the reins, and almost throws everyone off the wagon. After a nighttime storm, the group relax and eat breakfast, enjoying the Magnemite Poke lifestyle. But while they consume sustenance, the rockets watch on. They plan on stealing the massive group of electric Pokemon down below, but Jesse adds that they should find a way to profit off the electricity before giving them to the boss, rushing off to plot. Ethan then answers a call from the video phone in his wagon, receiving news from Officer Jenny that her town experienced a blackout, and they need power to vital services like the Pokemon Center before their generators run out. Nurse Joy then wheels in some drained Magnemite, asking Jenny what to do as the phone line goes dead. Feeling the need to act fast, the group prepares to set off quickly. But before they can, Jolteon starts barking, the Magnemite flying off in some random direction. Everyone follows, only to see the rocket trio taking off in their balloon, Magnemite stuck to a giant magnet on their basket. James then uses an electricity-resistant Extendo Claw to yoink Pikachu and Jolteon in one fell swoop. Jolteon lands gracefully, but Pikachu hits their back hard against the ground, Ash running to his friend's side. Jolteon then uses some static whips to lure the Magnemite back. Jessie tries to send out Arbok, but her ball hits a Magnemite and opens midair, causing the snake to fall to the ground painfully as well. Once it recovers, it attempts to use Tackle. Jolteon, making sure it frees the last Magnemite, is unable to dodge, getting knocked right into Ethan, both of them slamming into a large rock, Ethan's arm breaking in the process. Pikachu, now recovered, uses Thunderbolt to puncture the balloon, evil trio being blasted away. Checking on Ethan and Jolteon, they learn of his arm and Jolteon's extreme exhaustion. However, Ethan insists that he has to go to town, as they desperately need that electricity. Ash then takes the initiative, putting a saddle on one of the Tauros and preparing to head out. 
Ethan doesn't protest, apologizing for not doing it himself, but giving Ash directions and wishing him luck along with Tracy and Misty. While galloping ahead, number six notices something, the rest of the Magnemite following suit and scattering. Ash tries to angrily chase them, using Ethan's whistle, but to no avail. While he laments his failure, despite being so close, Pikachu begins to create some static, luring the Magnemite back to Tauros. However, this also quickly wears Pikachu out. Ash then double counts his herd and realizes that he's missing number six. The lost Magnemite wanders around confused until Ash locates and grabs it, scolding the Pokemon. However, it then starts to pull Ash away, leading him right to a recovered Team Rocket. Prepare for trouble! Just once more! Make it double! It's our encore! You know the rest! I thought we got rid of you! <laughs> kid, kid, kid! But those Magnemite are so magnetic, we just couldn't stay away! Their new plan is rubbing glass or plastic or something on Jesse and James to create static, which is then blasted through a little ray gun. As they say, it's portable and environmentally friendly too. Plus, the rubbing is great for the scalp. Ash uses all his strength to hold on to number six, yelling for Pikachu to run away with the rest of the Magnemite. However, the static gun begins to attract them all, letting Team Rocket grab them in a bag. Pikachu tries to attack, but is still too tired. However, against Ash's protests, the rodent releases another electric attack, causing the stolen Magnemite to start pulling me out the way. Jesse and James begin to rub even harder, their static and Pikachu's attack clashing, but Pikachu's starting to lose. Number six, still in Ash's arm, sees this and breaks free, flying between the collisions of the two electric sources. Using the absorbed electricity, it calls the stolen herd back into it, the Pokemon breaking out of the bag. Number six then evolves, becoming a Magneton. The Magnemite then all gives some of their power to Pikachu, refreshing him. Team Rocket desperately tries to keep running, but get friction burns as Pikachu and the Magnemite and Magneton use their chance to thunderbolt the trio, blasting them away for the second time. Ash then leads the herd to town, supplying it with energy. As Misty, Tracy, and Ethan start to arrive later that night, they're greeted by a fully lit city, Ethan quietly thanking Ash. The next morning, Jenny and Joy thank Ash for his help, Ethan then offering Ash a job as his Magnemite wrangling partner, saying how incredible he was. However, Ash kindly declines, saying his goal is to compete in the Orange League and maybe one day learn as much about Pokemon as Ethan knows. The cowboy accepts this answer, him and the trainer shaking hands as our heroes continue on their way to the next gym. While the episode as a whole is alright, the concept itself is pretty fun. A cowboy who basically looks and sounds like an early version of Clay wrangles little floating magnet balls, selling their electricity. It's a pretty rad use of Pokemon's practicality. This is also probably the most injuries Team Rocket caused in an episode. A weakened Pikachu and Jolteon along with breaking a guy's arm. Sure, they've nearly killed Ash a few times, but this is the most widespread destruction they've caused. Good on them, moving up the villain ladder. 
In closing, very fun concept, but the execution could have been a bit better. I'm having trouble saying how to improve it, I just feel like it's missing something. But moving on from that, let's go to... Episode 102, The Mystery Menace. Synopsis. After a scheme from Team Rocket traps our group in the sewers beneath a town, they must figure out the mystery behind the monster lurking in its waters. Especially after it kidnaps Bulbasaur. Still trekking along the rocky desert terrain of Mandarin Island, which is the island they've been on the longest since the Prima episode. Ash is like, um, hey, if you guys are like hungry and tired, which I'm not, we can maybe stop and eat please? Tracy then reaches the top of a hill, calling everyone over to see the city of Trovatopolis, having finally reached the end of the desert. Team Rocket watches them from a short distance behind the group, giggling over their latest plan, digging a tunnel, placing dynamite in it, then triggering it to explode when Pikachu is on top of it, causing the ground to collapse and them to be able to grab the mouse. I think I can say without fear of contradiction that we are completely and totally prepared. Prepared? Prepared. Aha! Prepare for trouble! Oh, I say make it double! Ah! <laughs> What's the idea? Why'd you stop us? What do you want to give those little brats fair warning for? Let's make this a sneak attack! Well, you didn't have to be so rough. James then triggers the dynamite plunger. Only for nothing to happen. Then, after a couple of seconds, the ground opens up beneath the rockets, all three falling into the abyss below. Misty, thinking she heard something, turns to look, her and everyone else assuming ah, it was just her imagination. But suddenly, the ground under them begins cracking, opening up beneath them as well, all of them falling in. When the group comes to, they see that they're all trapped in an underground cavern. And Tracy has his upper body buried in rubble, calling for muffled help as the other two pull him free. Phil, get me out of here! Hang on, Tracy! I was really stuck in there. Thanks a lot. Uh, you don't have to thank me, Tracy. Just get off of me. Oh, sorry about that. Wake up, wake up. Having nowhere else to go, the group treks through the tunnel, eventually emerging from a hole in the wall that leads to a sewer system. Tracy optimistically informs the group that they just have to find a manhole cover, and then they can climb to freedom, everyone happily beginning to walk to find one. But while walking, Ash swears that he hears a little bell ringing around, his friends not hearing it and shrugging him off. A giant tendril then begins poking his shoulder, Ash assumes it's Pikachu and turns to annoyedly ask what's wrong, but sees nothing, as Pikachu was walking on the ground ahead of him. The tendril then returns, Misty and Tracy seeing it, the redhead yelling for Ash to watch out. He prepares to have Pikachu use a thunderbolt, but Misty stops him, saying they'll all be electrocuted if he does it here. Which I'm pretty sure is untrue since, one, they're not wet, Two, they look to be on a relatively dry walkway. And three, even if they were zapped, they can all take it. They've done it before. Ash then sends out Bulbasaur, having it use Razor Leaf. But the tendril knocks the attack away before it grabs Bulbasaur and pulls it into the water. 
Ash tries to dive in after it, but his friends stop him and hold him back, saying he'll just fall victim too. Ash struggles, refusing to abandon his teammate, but continues to be restrained. A light then appears above them, Officer Jenny calling out from above. After Misty asks for help, the officer lowers down a rope for them to climb up. Ash refuses, preparing to chase after his Pokemon, but his friends refuse to let him through, tying him up in the rope before it's pulled to the surface. The kids are then promptly arrested, locked in a jail cell. Ash slams on the door, demanding to be freed so he can save his Pokemon. Tracy and Misty try to figure out why they were arrested, suspecting some kind of foul play. But before they can use much further, Jenny slams open the door in Ash's face, happily announcing that they are free to go. She's about to explain that the reason they were detained was because of some weird stuff happening in the city, but a mustached man stops her, angrily wondering why Jenny is releasing the kids. She salutes and half-heartedly greets him as the mayor, surprising our heroes. Jenny explains that she's letting them go because they only just got to town, were only passing through, and that the story checks out. The mayor, however, insists that they'd be kept in jail for another week to avoid leaking information on the sewer monster. Jenny protesting that they can't be held if they didn't commit any crimes. The mayor reluctantly relents, but warns the kids that they better stay quiet. Tracy then protests, saying he should be allowed to say something. Ash then says that the only thing he cares about is rescuing his Bulbasaur, worrying about its safety. He must be hungry and scared. Who knows what kind of creepy- Say another word and I'll have you all arrested for endangering public safety! What do you mean, public safety? That creature, you're not the only ones who saw it. Officer, don't! Mr. Mayor, we can't keep this a secret forever. Can't we at least try? Oh my god, ACAB Hardcore here. Sure, she's taking the side of the kids now, but it's clear that she's been in cahoots with this mayor. And she also doesn't object to the public safety charge the mayor threatens. ACAB, man, ACAB. Jenny tells the group that a number of people reported the creature, mostly just food thefts and no injuries, but the mayor's trying to hide it to not cause a panic. Mostly so he can get reelected. The group asks why nothing can be done, Jenny explaining that there's 500 miles of sewer system to crawl through, making it nearly impossible. Nurse Joy then enters the office, claiming to know what the mayor is up to and opposing it. Ash inquires what she means, the nurse explaining that instead of capturing and studying the monster, the mayor just wants to send in a SWAT team. And I'm not joking, they specifically say SWAT team. The group joins her in her protest, the mayor giving a very politician response. Any talk of any such plan is pure speculation. There's no proof. At the Poké Center, the trio calls up Oak, him agreeing with Tracy's thought that the creature could be a new Pokémon species, or at the very least a known one that's mutated somehow. Ash asks what they should do, Oak saying that there must be some way to stop the mayor's plan. Nurse Joy then approaches and sadly denies such a solution, the mayor doing anything to win re-election. Walking around the city, the group realizes Joy wasn't exaggerating. There are election posters everywhere, and even a statue of the man in front of a city building. Misty then notices a little symbol on all the mayor's stuff, Tracy saying it must be his logo. Ash then demands that they rescue Bulbasaur, Misty and Tracy agreeing. 
I guess adding a possible SWAT extermination made them more willing to let Ash chase the thing. Elsewhere, the mayor preps his SWAT team, demanding they kill the creature and secure his election. Our heroes overhear this, wondering how they'll even be able to get into the sewer with them guarding the entrance. But during commercial, they convince Joy to show them a drainage exit, suggesting that the group enter that way. Somewhere within the sewer, Team Rocket whines about how lost and hungry they are. Meowth then hears a little bell noise, a tendril gently rubbing his chin. But when the three realize that none of them were petting Meowth, they look up and see the tendril rising from the water, running away quickly in fear. Once they escape even deeper, they try to catch their breath. <sighs> but hear footsteps approaching them, a silhouette and light appearing from around the corner. James sends out wheezing, having it smog the area as they escape again. It's revealed that what they saw was just Ash and his friends, who wonder what Team Rocket was even doing down there. Misty then realizes that she lost Togepi in the confusion and rushes to grab it from falling into the water. But before she can breathe a sigh of relief, her friends point out that the tendril is suddenly right in front of her, grabbing Togepi and pulling it into the water, Misty going with it. Tracy panics, but Ash remains calm, revealing that Oak sent him a Pokemon to help. Our goopy friend Muck, who immediately glomps Ash. Team Rocket rests weakly somewhere else, whining about how they're being chased. But, hearing more footsteps, they decide they've had enough and will be the ones to give the scare this time. James gives himself fangs and pulls his mouth open while Meowth eats his head. Jessie then puts her hair in front of her eyes. <laughs> However, when they turn the corner, they run right into the SWAT team, who immediately start shooting goo at the trio, causing them to run away begging for mercy. Muck leads Ash and Tracy to what appears to be a dead end. However, they then notice that the tunnel continues underwater. I don't know how Muck's doing any kind of tracking, but cool. Ash and Tracy don't hesitate, jumping in and swimming through the tunnel of sewage water. I feel like what a sewer actually is ends up being glossed over this entire episode. The water always looks like it's crystal clear, too. When Ash emerges through an opening on the ground of a room, he's met face to face with the tendril, screaming as the screen fades to white. In the mayor's office, his SWAT team reports finding three other monsters separate from the initial one. The mayor sees no other option and demands that the sewage system be sealed off. Which is a way worse idea from an infrastructure standpoint. Cement fills and covers every opening. And you know this is a work of fiction because the construction is done in mere moments instead of over the course of like a month for one manhole like in a normal city. Ash then comes to, having somehow gone unconscious just from seeing the tendril. Misty, Muck, Bulbasaur, and Pikachu all standing over him. Ash then immediately cuddles Bulbasaur, happy they're okay. Completely ignoring Misty, not even acknowledging her. Tracy then gets Ash's attention, revealing the identity of the monster. A Bulbasaur, twice the size of a normal one, that was just using Vine Whip. The ringing Ash heard was also just a small bell on the Pokemon's collar. The group is upset that someone would abandon a Pokemon in the sewers, and Tracy suggests that it kidnap the other Pokemon simply because it was lonely by itself. 
When Ash pets and comforts the large Bulbasaur, he notices a symbol on its bell. The same symbol the mayor was using to promote himself. In his office, Joy protests the mayor sealing up the sewer, especially since there are three kids still known to be down there. But he shrugs it off, saying he'll unseal the sewer system after the election in a week, and that it's the kids' fault for playing in a sewer to begin with. But just like any city, the job is shoddily done, and leaks begin to spring from the sealed drainage pipes as the sewer floods. The mayor, chilling in his bath, content with his life choices, is suddenly blasted by a torrent of water from his pipe system. Coincidentally, Ash's group and the Bulbasaur all spring up from this point as well. The theoretically cool scene where they almost drown and just barely escape is never to be seen, sadly. Also, Pikachu surfs by on his famous pink surfboard. The mayor, having thankfully put on a towel quickly as he's washed out of the mansion in a tub, lands on the ground at our hero's feet. He pretty calmly asks what they want, and then they very casually ask if he recognizes the Bulbasaur. He then flashes back to his childhood, where he, upset at his Pokemon for not evolving, sends the Bulbasaur down the sewer river in a shoddy wooden box. He then just freely thinks this out loud in front of the kids. This must be the Bulbasaur I let float into the sewer when I was a little boy because it wasn't evolving. His Bulbasaur wraps him in a vine whip, lifting him in the air. Misty and Tracy scold him, saying that despite his actions, it's still happy to see the man. The mayor is at first worried about what his image would look like if news about what he did as a kid got out. He then sees everyone staring at his towel-clad body, being suspended in the air, and decides that that's actually the more pressing issue, begging to be let down. Misty demands he apologize first, but his hubris takes over and he refuses, saying he's too important to apologize to a mere Pokemon. His SWAT team runs over, and he orders them to free him. But before they can shoot their goo guns, Pikachu thunderbolts the team and Bulbasaur vine whips them away. The big Bulbasaur, betrayed after granting the man mercy, swings him around before throwing him into the sky. He then falls and lands on his statue, crashing through it as it's revealed to be cheap paper mache. Also, there's a pretty fun animation error here. They clearly meant to color the rip in the statue white, but the color artist, probably misinterpreting the line art, thought that the lower rip was a beard and colored it the same color as the mare's hair, randomly giving the man more facial hair suddenly. It's kind of funny. Joy and Jenny bid the group farewell, Joy saying she'll take care of the Bulbasaur, and Jenny assuring the group that the mayor will most likely lose the next election. But if this island is like America, now nah, he'll probably still win. The two women then direct Ash to Trovita, just a few minutes away by ferry, and visible from the port they're on. Content with a job well done, the group stares at the island with determination. Meanwhile, in the sewers, Team Rocket has finally reached one of the exits, basking in the sunlight, but crying over the fact that the exit is barred up and they'll never escape. Finally! Daylight! Sunshine! That's very nice, Jess. But we're trapped here! We'll never get out! Team Rocket's all washed up! The bars! Okay then, sure. That was kind of funny actually. Good job, dub only scene. That made me giggle. 
this was a hard episode to take notes for because it was just very crammed with a lot of moving parts that each kind of had to be included or else it would just sound weird. But that's not a bad thing for this episode. It never feels cluttered. Maybe the ending is a bit rushed and could have been fixed by slowing things down a bit and showing our heroes escaping, but overall pretty decent pacing. Also, if Team Rocket got lost in the sewer system, then how did they navigate it to place the dynamite under the group in the beginning? Wouldn't they have had to have a vague understanding or even a map showing where to go? Explain, Jesse. While the twist at the end is probably a bit obvious, it's a fun episode that diverges enough from the formula to feel fresh. And are you prepared to meet another funky fresh episode with episode 103, Misty Meets Her Match? Synopsis. Arriving at his next Orange League gym, Misty is once again courted by its leader. This time, thankfully, he's closer to her age. Finally leaving Mandarin Island on the ferry, the group enjoy the sights of an approaching Trovita Island. However, tragedy strikes as Pikachu alerts the group to a girl and her seal caught in a whirlpool around the island's rock pillar formations. She calls for her brother, who we then see is running to the cliffside calling for her. The boy pulls out his binoculars just in time to see Misty call out Staryu and jump into the ocean. She dives under the water, grabbing the drowning girl and somehow drowning seal, who I thought could breathe underwater, swimming the two over to Ash and Lapras. The brother sees the rescue and zooms in on Misty, simply saying, She's great. Team Rocket also spies on the kids, Jesse demanding that the other two pedal the submarine faster. However, their efforts prove to be in vain as they're sucked into and spun around the whirlpool. Ash asks what the girl, Mari, was doing out there. She explains that she was swimming with Seal, but a current caught them and pulled them out. Misty gently warns her to be more careful, the two of them smiling in relief of her safety. Arriving at the dock alongside Tracy, still on the ferry, the brother rushes over, hugging his sister, happy that she's okay. While Ash says, ah, it was no problem helping, the boy immediately goes up to Misty, getting her name before saying how amazing she is. The other two stare on in confused surprise as the boy snaps, a bunch of his lackeys rushing over to give bouquets of flowers to the redhead. He demands that music be played, taking Togepi out of Misty's grasp, handing it to Ash, and grabbing Misty's arm to pull her off, the other two watching mildly upset. He dances with Misty, saying he's never met a better water trainer, asking the girl to stay on the island a while and instruct the trainers at his gym, introducing himself as Rudy, the Trovita Island gym leader. Ash, hearing this, demands a gym challenge! While ignored at first, with help from Mari, they get Rudy's attention, causing him to scoff and do a little dance before smugly wondering why Ash even thinks he can win. Using his other two badges as proof, Rudy accepts the challenge, under the condition Ash pass a little test of his. Putting Ash on a boat along with himself, Ash's friends, and Mari, Rudy tells Ash that he has to break all the targets along the motorboat's route in order to pass. Pikachu starts strong by hitting a target easily. Ash turns to see if Rudy is impressed, but he's too busy giving flowers to an adoring Misty to have seen. Did you see that, Rudy? 
Your eyes, they're like diamonds, but lovelier. Oh, Rudy. <laughs> Getting annoyed, Ash then sends out Charizard. Tracy, understandably, is like, Ash, why the heck would you pick Charizard? And Ash goes, I goofed up. The giant lizard flamethrowers the boat, everyone ducking out of the way. Except Misty, who takes the full brunt of the fire before Ash recalls the Pokemon. She accuses Ash of doing it on purpose, Rudy adding that Ash needs to get a handle on that Pokemon. Team Rocket then emerges in the river, popping out of their sub and mottoing to nobody. This doesn't look like the ocean. Must be Trovita River. To protect the world from Devon. Uh-huh. It's the twerp. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he's headed this way. Great. The target's right in our face. There's a target. <sighs> Squirtle, go! Squirtle. Squirtle! why they even surfaced in the first place since they didn't even know Ash was there until after they did, but eh, it was a pretty good scene. I liked it. Pikachu, Squirtle, and Bulbasaur continue to destroy the targets, Rudy jealously noticing that Misty seems to be enjoying watching Ash. At the gym later that day, Rudy reluctantly congratulates Ash on passing, despite Charizard having missed a target, but Rudy wasn't really paying attention that time due to Misty, so... I guess he thinks Ash hit them all. The gym leader says that the next day the two will have a traditional battle. If Ash wins best two out of three, he gets the badge. He then has Ash pick three types, which he'll match, our hero choosing electric, grass, and water. Rudy then invites Misty to dinner, and with some insistence from Mari, the girl agrees, Ash and Tracy watching dumbstruck and somewhat sadly as she leaves. That night, the two boys call and update Professor Oak, who congratulates Ash on his progress. Tracy then jumps in to show Oak a drawing. Hi, Professor Oak, it's me, Tracy, and I wanted to show you a drawing of this thing I saw in the woods. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I thought maybe it was an undiscovered Pokemon. What do you think, Professor? Well, can you describe it a bit for me? Well, I didn't get a real good look at it because it was in the woods, like I said. Hey, I'm paying for that phone like call. This. He's like a little kid on Take Home Your Art Day. By the way, the drawing is actually the top of an Elekid's head, if you're curious. Which marks another Gen 2 cameo in Gen 1. Misty, meanwhile, is finishing up her dinner with Rudy. Mari then, intentionally or not, plays a strong wingman to her brother, who even asks her to tone it back a bit. You wanna know a secret? I always wanted a big sister just like you, Misty! my brother and the other boys at the gym, but I'm the only girl here. Oh, that's too bad. Hey, I have an idea. Why don't you be my big sister and just stay here forever? Mari, let's talk about something else. Why? Rudy then shows her his gym, where a bunch of Pokemon dance to that funny song that just says Pokemon, mon, mon, over and over. They also all look adorable and silly. It's pretty great. 
Rudy explains that this is part of his training, as having Pokemon try something different than conventional methods leads to stronger and harder to read battlers. Rudy then invites Misty to dance with him, which she accepts. Rudy then very quickly suggests that she stay with him and Mari. Misty's stopping her dance and looking down, unsure what her decision should be, Rudy asking her to think it over. Team Rocket, trying to balance their sub on one of the island's rock pillars, attempt to figure out a plan. However, Meowth's nose is tickled by Jesse's hair, causing him to sneeze and plunge the sub off the side, trapping them in another whirlpool. Alright, thanks for that scene, Team Rocket. Bye! The next morning, Ash and Rudy head to the arena, a giant smoothed rock face in the middle of the water, the rest of the group watching from a hot air balloon above. Ash starts with Pikachu, Rudy sending out Electabuzz in response, a man on a Pidgeot commenting on the whole thing. Pikachu starts with Thunderbolt, but Electabuzz absorbs it. Ash then has his partner use Quick Attack, Rudy countering with his own Quick Attack. Electabuzz, Quick Attack back! Electabuzz then uses Thunder Punch, launching Pikachu back and almost sending him careening off the arena's cliffside, but Ash thankfully catches him just in time. Unfortunately, it's considered a knockout on Ash's part. Mari then talks about how cool her brother is, asking Misty what super cool and handsome thing he said to her while they were dancing, causing her to recall and think more about his offer. Rudy then sends out Executor against Bulbasaur, snapping his fingers as a lackey begins blaring music, the coconut tree dancing to it. Bulbasaur razor leafs it, but it dances out of the way of them all. It then launches an egg bomb attack, hitting a resilient Bulbasaur who still hangs on. Just as it looks like Executor is approaching to land the killing blow, Bulbasaur uses sleep powder, putting it to sleep just as the Pokemon reaches it. Team Rocket, meanwhile, is climbing up the arena cliff, almost near the top. They can almost smell the Pokemon. When a sleeping executor falls on them, knocking all three into the water again. They aren't seen again this episode. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bulbasaur, thankfully, kindly uses its vine whip to catch Executor and reel it back up. This round's going to Ash this time. Now tied, it's Squirtle versus Starmie. Rudy then boldly dedicates the match to the girl who saved my sister and won my heart. Mari is then like, Haha, I knew it! I knew my brother liked you, Misty! Haha, yay, you should marry him! Hee! Proving that she 100% was wingmanning him. Ash, either not caring or not registering what was said, goes, Yeah, yeah, that's nice, but I'm the one winning! Go, Squirtle! Starmie and Squirtle have a water gun clash, seemingly even. Rudy then cues the music again, dancing with his Starmie as it dodges out of the water gun's attacks. Starmie then uses Thunderbolt on Squirtle, weakening it while Rudy continues to flirt mid-battle. While Tracy worries for Ash, Misty finally has enough and yells for Ash to get it together and win! Mari, Rudy, and Ash are all surprised that she's rooting for him, with Ash quickly bouncing back by going, Well, yeah, of course I'll win. I'm not stupid. Ash has Squirtle aim a water gun right at the ground, launching it up and out of the electricity. 
just as it looks like it overshot out of the arena. It uses a spinning hydro pump to lift itself back into the fight, pleasantly shocking everyone on Ash's side. Ash then has it use its newly learned hydro pump on Starmie, following with a skull bash to knock it out, leaving Ash the winner. Rudy slicks back his hair a bit and quietly congratulates Ash to himself while the boy celebrates. That evening, Ash has bestowed his spike shell badge on the beach, holding it out proudly. Rudy then gives Misty another banquet, saying that while he knows he made her choice, he still wanted to give her a final gift. He then tells Ash that he's a lucky guy, but when the trainer acts confused, Rudy just comments that he'll see one day. Our heroes then set off on Lapras again, Mari speaking for her brother and saying that Misty and her friends are always welcome back. Waving goodbye, they depart into the sunset as the narrator comments that while Ash won a badge, Misty won a young man's heart. Also, before my opinions on the episode, one extra bit. At the end of the Japanese version of the episode, Oak promotes the new movie coming up, since what will be known as Pokemon 2000 in English is coming out soon in Japan at the time. So we'll get to that soon. I've noticed something with Orange Islands. It hints much more at Ash and Misty maybe being romantic down the line. It was lightly touched on in the Indigo League, but with the Nidoran episode and then this one, it's becoming a lot more overt. It never really goes anywhere as the series progresses past Misty with her only coming back for cameos and stuff, but the thought was there at the start. Also, I just want to point out that while Misty was kind of okay with Rudy, she got seemingly uncomfortable at points and eventually turned against him. Meanwhile, she went wild for Danny and even at the end was rooting for him, never turned against Danny. So, I guess we know her type and it's concerning. Plus, different topic. Team Rocket's sparing usage in this episode really benefited it. Their moments were quick and funny, and weren't just a way to tack on another battle at the end for the last two minutes. They were just amusing little extras in an episode with a slightly less comedic tone relative to the other episodes, and it works really well. Hello! It's Intro Ryan again. Welcome back to the intro time. It's 4.12am. Let's let's wrap this up, shall we? So I can go upstairs and edit this episode that you are currently just finishing. That's pretty meta, isn't it? Ooh. So, thank you for listening to I Want to Watch the Very Best. It means a lot to me that you guys are continuing to do the listening of the podcast that is by me. Um, I would appreciate it if you spread the word, leave a review, whatever you feel like. You don't have to, but I appreciate it in the end. It just... You know, it makes you a slightly better Pokemon trainer than the ones who don't tell their friends. Did you know that? It's a fact. I always feel scubby asking for people to spread this around, but I know that's the only way to grow as a boy into a full-fledged Pokemon. I don't know what I'm saying anymore, so I'm just going to wrap up the episode. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a great morning, day, evening, night, outside of space-time. Whatever you feel like, just have a good one. Bye. I completely lost the plot there at the end.